Hey everybody, welcome back to Off the Beaten Clef. We are doing our second week of an Ultimate Mixtape. Uh, this week is the Mars Volta, and we're doing it for a very special reason, which I'll explain here in just a minute. So let's get into Yeah, like I said, uh, we are doing the Mars Volta this week, which, looking back through the band, I was surprised at how commercially successful they were at their height. Like, they they got in top 10 in charts for their last few albums, which is wild to me, because I didn't know anybody that really listened to them outside of me. So, they won a Grammy, which is crazy, um, it, because if you've, li if you've listened to this playlist, you know how insane that sounds, because they're not a band that's easy to listen to. Um, but yeah, so the reason I decided to do this this week is because I actually had a blog years ago by the same name, and this was the first artist that I decided to do for that blog work. I went through and did this exact same thing where I went and broke down their entire discography. I did two tracks from every album at, the, uh, at that point. I had to cut a couple out from my original list, but it's the same list that I used when I did that initial blog. Um... And I'm excited to revisit it because I remember this taking so, so fucking long to do, but it being really enjoyable putting out the product. So, um, yeah, what are your what are your opening thoughts, Dylan? And I'll read my original synopsis of the band that I wrote. Yeah, I, I, you know, anyone that's listened to our 100th episode or, you know, listened to, like, how we got our origins, this is our origin story right here. This is when Dr. Manhattan gets stuck in the little room and... He's going to grab the watch and he gets stuck and gets radioactive zapped. This is our zapping right here. When Kevin posted this on Twitter late night one time, I just read it and I was like, anyone that loves music this much, I I appreciate it. So I read it and it got me really interested in the band. And you guys know I love documentaries. So it was just like, this was kind of... It's funny it took us three years to get to Ultimate Mixtapes because that's kind of what this this was as, as the blog. And I remember reading it and thinking, wow, I knew nothing about this band and now I want to listen to them. And I got into a couple albums that we're going to talk about today, but I didn't do a full deep dive with you. But I thought the writing was really well, well done. And I thought, I was like, man, I didn't know Kevin had it in him. You know, you you were just my boss and, you know, we butted heads and that was pretty much the extent of you know <laughs> our our work relationship was like a lot of push and pull and i always loved that because now everyone gets to hear it every week yeah um, and it was never like it was never like uh mean-spirited no it was like challenging each other in a really fun yeah. way um because yeah. we both are we're retail veterans at that point so it was just like yeah. you know even though i was just a lowly associate and you were the store manager it was like I wanted to be more than I was making $9 an hour, but, you know, I just <laughs> yeah. had fun coming into work and talking shit and talking music and getting to do retail, um, which not many people say. But anyway, I digress all the way back. This um, this Mars Volta was fun to revisit because I hadn't listened to them in a really long time. 
and some of these I've never heard at all. And mm -hmm. I think it's going to surprise you which ones I actually like and some that I'm like lukewarm on. But I never get lost because I do appreciate the fact that like they have their own identity and yeah. they have a sound that they go for. And I haven't heard this many seven plus minute tracks since the 70s, <laughs> yeah. man. And I think that's really cool that like they are winning Grammys with seven minute songs. And yeah. th there's... Wow. There's something to say about bands that just love to break rules and love that you don't have to just, like, say the chorus one more time and the song's over. There's outros to every song. Hannah, <laughs> my girlfriend, was listening to it with me, and she said, make sure to mention every song has a rise and fall. And that's a good point. You know, there is a rise and fall to every song. And I, w I think I sent you something last night without any context. I was watching a, an interview <laughs> with them and Zane Lowe. And even if they take themselves a little too seriously, um, I do appreciate the fact that like they do put so much thought into their music and like they they want their songs to be cinematic. And hearing them say that made this all kind of like conceptualized to me. Like if you're listening to this and you're thinking it's going to be like Dance Gavin Dance, it's not going to be that leisurely. You know, it's it's going to no. be a little bit more in depth, and you have to be willing to take the ride, which. Ultimate mixtapes. That's what we're here for. Yes, sir. That was a that was a hell of an opening thought. There. Sorry, we man. Yeah. No, it's all right. I love it. I love it, man. Um, so before I get started full blown into this, um, did you have you listened to any of At the Drive In, uh, Bixler Zavala's original band? No. They're a hardcore band. I haven't either, but I know when I posted this on my Instagram a while ago, which is how I found it again because I couldn't remember the URL or whatever. Um, Grant Hutzel. Um, it's like hell yeah this makes you want to listen to at the drive-in and i had no idea they had another band before this which is like a hardcore punk band which i'm really interested to listen to i just haven't gotten around to it um but it'll be interesting to hear if there's any sort of like origins of the mars volta in that because they do they are very heavy but they're not like hardcore heavy if that makes sense well some of the speed some of the songs they go with with speed them them boys got some hardcore in their blood oh oh yeah oh yeah uh yeah so i'll just hop into my original synopsis here because um this is back when i was still writing all the time so it's it's still okay <laughs> so i wasn't I, I haven't lost all my skills at this point so uh yeah here we go so the mars volta is hard to categorize thematically prog rock is the cleanest categorization but they are more of an experimental prog metal neo rock act with sprinkles of latin flair and blues grittiness Music is defined by a certain predictability, and the Mars Volta laughs in the face of those rules, taking a listener through a visceral, almost chaotic trip through an untapped landscape of sounds. Through entropy, a strange and haunting beauty arises. The El Paso, Texas quintet knew exactly what they were doing, even if at times it sounds like they had no idea. Uh, every musician in this band is great at what they do. Cedric Bixler Zavala's intelligent, thought-provoking, and often dark lyrics are a perfect match, match for his haunting and incredibly controlled falsetto, Spoiler alert, I didn't break down any of these lyrics except for one song because it's, they're nonsense. <laughs> they can mean whatever they want. They, they mean something very personal to Bixler Zavala, I'm sure, but they're nonsense for the most part. Um, so I was that was a bit of uh, posing by me. I didn't. I'm sure they mean a lot, but anyway. Uh, the rhythm section of D'Antoni Parks and Juan El Derete, I hope I said that right, on bass, and D'Antoni Parks on drums. Drive complex, challenging timing into listener's ear, while lead guitarist Omar Rodriguez-Lopez and keyboardist Marcel Rodriguez-Lopez weave often 
Chaotic yet beautiful harmonies and melodies are out in an audible blitzkrieg. It all sounds very daunting at first, and it is no doubt. But the genius behind the madness shines through to those willing to take their work as a sum of its parts and not the individual people. Sorry. And not take... Jesus Christ. <laughs> Let me start that sentence over again. <laughs> the, the, the madness shines through to those willing to take their work as a sum of its parts and not individual pieces of cacophony. Not every song is difficult to comprehend. Um, they have some truly silky smooth ballads, but that vein of melancholy and darkness runs through everything they have produced. So, um, yeah, that was my initial like breakdown of this band. So if you want to count those as my opening thoughts, so be it. Um, yeah, how many albums? They did one, two, three, four. They did seven. They've done seven albums at this point. Yeah. So... Um, one of which was after like a, t- a decade-long hiatus. So, uh, again, not dissimilar to Guar. Um, they broke up and then they decided to get back together after doing... They got back with uh, at the drive-in for a while and were playing live shows there. Um, but, yeah. There's a lot uh, of... For- there's a lot of um, side quests with with this band oh, yeah. too. I, I've seen a lot of you know his solo stuff, and he started another band around 2013 when they after their last album. So I thought it was I really you know much like last week I wanted to do it. I wanted to pick a song on the show from one of the side projects, but I just didn't want to beat a dead horse. But there are so many side quests if you're willing if you're into this and you want something just a little bit different there are so many different ones you can go to and i'm really into i'm really into the idea of at the drive in yeah i need to like i said i need to listen to it i love uh Bixler Zavala's voice so much and i think that's why spoiler alert i'm so disappointed in the newest album because he's lost a little bit of it it's just a little deeper than it he doesn't have the same falsetto that he used to um but that's okay. I mean, he's much older now, so that's going to happen. You're not going to be able to keep that high head voice forever. Um, I think that's the first thing that goes is that higher register as vocalist age. So, uh, but it's again, again, it just didn't hit me, but we'll get into it. Yeah. Um, special shout out to Tom Jurek from Spotify because he did all the notes for this, this playlist. Um, it's, I was talking to Dill, you were, I was talking to you earlier this week. I'm like, this is the most in-depth Spotify bio for any band I've ever seen. It's got like chapters, dude. Oh my god! I I think I read six paragraphs and I looked and I was not even a third <laughs> of the way through, which is appropriate yeah. for this band, knowing how long their songs are. Their Spotify bio better be a fucking weeks long. Yeah, dude. There's only one, two songs that there's no notes from Tom Jurek on, and uh, or two albums, I should say. But uh, thank you, whoever you are. Um, you saved me a lot of work this week. <laughs> Lazy. <laughs> yeah, dude, don't even talk to me. I know you copy and paste too, so I don't want to hear it. Yeah. Mine was all Look, Wikipedia last week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's uh and I, I texted you this morning, like, holy shit, dude, that's exhausting putting those together. So thank you for doing that every week, man, because it is a undertaking. Um even just copying and pasting. Um Especially from Spotify, because if anything that's a hyperlink doesn't copy over, so you have to go back through the paragraph and type it in. Fucking drove me mad, mad this morning. So, <laughs> um, but yeah. Anyway, you ready to hop in? Let's do it. Let's do it. Where Where All do right. we start, Kev? Where do we start with Mars Volta? We start from the beginning. We start with Deloused in the Comatorium. Get used to titles like that because they never stop. Um, I love that name i love the album artwork where it's like that golden head shooting like a beam of light out of its mouth uh again 
their album artwork is very reflective of the music that you're about to hear. It's very uh, uh, non-classical, I guess you could put it that way. Very, if not, I want to say ethereal. We say that too much. It's weird. Let's put it. <laughs> yeah, it it so. definitely they. I I. I I hesitate to say the word art collective because that gives you a certain idea like, okay, they're going to be kind of douchey. But yeah, I think it is an art collective, dude. It's yeah, just, no, 100%. With the, the album, the way the albums look, it almost looks like artwork outside of the album. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah. Every album pretty much is a concept album. So. Uh, yeah, so the notes from old Tom Jurek here uh, on Delouse in the Comatorium is the band's debut full-length album, Delouse in the Comatorium, featured Chili Peppers bassist Flea on nine of the set's songs. Um, their Chili Peppers guitarist John Frusciante also contributed additional guitar, synthesizer, and backing vocals to the track. He's going to be, he comes up a lot. He's he's featured on one of the albums, but he does a lot of contributing stuff to this for this band produced by like legendary Rick Rubin and released in June, 2003. It went on to sell more than 500,000 copies and received gold certification following, uh, following several touring replacements on bass. The band hired Juan Alderete, uh, full time during the tour. They also added Marcel Rodriguez Lopez, Omar's brother on percussion. Um, so I will let you talk about these songs first and I will come in after you. Okay. First, first things first. I think they, they had a bassist die right before they started. Yes. Um, and that's why they had so many, like they had flea on it and they had so many, um, additional bassists because yeah, I think he died of like a heroin overdose right before they went into the studio. Just wanted to have a editorial note before yeah yeah well he played a central role in the next album because yes yeah it was uh yeah i'll get to it when we get to it okay um but yeah dude inertiatic esp god what a name uh but yeah dude (laughs) fuck yeah this felt like leftovers from dance gavin dance last week like and then obviously that's not fair because what's this from 2003 you said yeah 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 Obviously, this is way four years before Dance Gavin Dance's first release, but I had Dance Gavin Dance in my mind when I heard this. It was just like a great way to start the playlist and like an intro into Mars Volta because it is, if you're if you're still high on the supply of Dance Gavin Dance like I am, like um, some people in the Discord are, like it was just high energy and his vocals almost sound like Led Zeppelin-y, especially on this yes. track. And I think that's the appeal of him. Like he, when he goes high, it does sound like Led Zeppelin, and it's just like Led Zeppelin, punk rocky, you know. Yeah. And especially this track, it just has that frenetic sound that could win anyone over, because it has that like, the like quick guitars and just like the the pounding drums. It was just a great opening track, and you knew what you were doing with this mixtape when you did it. Yeah, man, it took me a long time to pick the songs for this, which is why I, I was so happy I could find that old blog because I I'm, I listened to every single album probably two or three times before I picked the songs for it. And I think that's why it was so exhausting is because uh, these are not short albums by any means. So, um, yeah, man, it's uh, – this. The, and again, I love the fact that they just punch you in the mouth with the – it's just fucking they don't give you no chance to breathe it's like oh we're listening to the mars volta now and again we've talked about opening tracks before and what a way to start a a mixtape with 
oh, okay, this is what we're getting. <laughs> you have no choice but to accept it or die. Um, but yeah, man, it's uh, and again, you get an example of the lyric lyrical content you're expecting as well, right from the first jump, which is last night I'd heard lepers flinch like birth defects. Its musk was fecal in origin as the words drippled off its chin. It said, I'm lost, I'm lost. And it goes right back into that refrain. Um, it's very vivid. Um, like lepers smelling like shit um, as they're screaming, I'm lost, but the words like dribble off their chin. It's just like, there's a song by Acid Bath called Dead Girl where there's another line very similar where it's said the line ran down his chin like embryo and it's just anything that's like a lie that's like dripping down your face is just always i don't know it's just really cool um visually and viscerally um but yeah again i love this as an opening track it's furious from start to end um and it's a perfect intro to what the mars volta is all about and it's just like this is one again one of my favorite tracks on this playlist yeah, same. I'm gonna I'm gonna save I'm gonna try to save my favorite songs for the very end to tell you. Mm. But yeah, it's gonna be tough because uh, I love <laughs> saying things my favorite. Oh shoot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, do you do you want me to say the, the the song names? Yes. Or do you want do you want to take a crack at them? No, I want you to say. Okay. <laughs> this I believe is Area Tarka. Area Tarka, track two. Uh, we're still on that first album. And where the last song came out swinging, this song takes its time, and we're gonna we're gonna say that a lot today. They take their time building, which makes that first big chorus feel big and loud, and like I don't want to say the last song was a wall of noise, but like it was fast paced, and this one is like the the epic rise and falls that we're gonna hear a lot today. And I like the big swings between the super low, almost hypnotic verses, and then the loud choruses. And this song felt 70s in that way, where like 70s rock was good on the big choruses and like the slow, hypnotic, like you're in for the ride because you got it on your record player or, you know, the radio was just different back then and songs could be longer. But yeah, for whatever reason, like this song felt very 70s rocky, where the last one felt a lot more 2003-y. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's, uh, again, if you expect me to break down these lyrics, uh, you got another thing coming, buddy, because I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> so I wanted to get that out of the way early in my notes. I'm just, uh, again, there's only one song I'm going to talk about, which I spent, I've spent the countless hours of my life thinking about. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a bass driven track that will do to what you think might be a ballad but quickly throws you into a wall of like chunky guitar and like gut busting drums. Again, I think um the rhythm section in this band is really fucking good but it's overshadowed i think by a lot of the craziness that's going on with the leads and the keyboards and stuff like that but again it's just if you really again i said it last week experimental bands are good when they have a groove and i think you this is what makes the mars volta as accessible as they were to a lot of people is because there is a good groove to a lot of what they did even if it was wild and off the wall and they had you know 10 minute outros to a lot of their songs uh it's still something that is is listenable for a large majority of it um but yeah it slows down again in the middle um and then again they just kick up the tempo again again that that kind of narrative action that hannah was talking about that rise and fall pretty much every track they have has a rise and fall and that narrative action which is which is really cool to see which means again they really cared about their song construction and they really thought about it 
Um, again, another thing I didn't think they really did too well in their last album. But again, we'll get to that when we get to it. I don't want to shit on it every single song we yeah. talk about. Um, but yeah, they never they never are going quite where they expect you to, quite where you expect them to go, which is always fun. <coughs> but yeah, um, that wraps up Delouse and the Comatorium. Uh, next is probably the tamest out album title, title title we've got is Francis the Mute. But this is probably my favorite uh, concept for an album. This was released in 05, and I was obsessed with um, the first song we're going to talk about. Really, both of the songs we're going to talk about from this album. I fucking loved this album. So, um, again, Old Tom says, uh, The Mars Volta returned to record stores in early 2005 with their second full-length, uh, the ambitious double-length song cycle Francis the Mute. Um, they also issued their live set scab dates later that year. Uh, the album's concept revolved around a diary that had been found in a repossessed car by their old bassist who did repo on the side. Um, the unknown author of the diary appeared to be a, a grown adopted child searching for their birth parents. He may have also suffered, suffered from mental illness caused by the death of a loved one. The lyrics for each track on the album are loosely based on the characters and life uh, real characters, life events characters and life events described in the, this person's diary rodriguez lopez composed the instrumental parts he also arranged and produced the sessions he employed a studio technique credited to miles davis and i love this he refused to let the other members hear one another's recorded parts or even the musical context for their own part he instead had them play up to a metronome his bandmates were forced to perform each individual segment as if it were a self-contained song which I think is great. I think if you can construct five different songs and put them together in one song cohesively, that's going to make great music all the time. It's like composing an orchestra, essentially, except those are all parts that don't make sense on their own, but they make sense together. This is five complete songs that make sense together, and that's just next-level shit. That's the um, opposite of jazz. The complete <laughs> yeah. opposite of jazz. Right, but again, in Miles Davis, it's a recording technique he used, so um, who knows, man? They're just... It's just a really cool thing to do. Um, they also hired Adrian Terrazas Gonzalez to play reeds and woodwinds on the album. He joined them full-time during the tour. Uh, the 79-minute set sold more than 100,000 copies during its first week of release and entered the top 200 at number four. It went on to sell nearly 500,000 units. While on tour, they released the 12-minute non-album single, The Bible and the Breathalyzer, which I don't think I've ever listened to. And if I have, it's been a very long time. So um yeah fucking I, I again this this first track the widow was all over the radio in 05 uh and i fucking was in love with it again the 12 minute outro isn't on it just the the main part of the song but dill what are your thoughts on the widow the widow man sheesh that bass is rocking for such a slow tempo song mm-hmm. and this is one i knew from before but i can't remember the playlist Maybe we did it on songs that changed my life, but I can't. I can't. Probably. It it Spotify has this new feature where it shows you that a song's already in another playlist that you have. Like it has that little mm-hmm. green check mark. Um, so I know it's from something we've talked about because I remember talking about the widow and how um, we talked about the lyrics quite a bit, which I'm excited to hear him again. But um, it's just a haunting song, and the last two minutes and thirty seconds of the song is like slowly descending into the depths of hell it's like or maybe like slipping into madness i don't know it was just it was really really cool to hear an outro that was like that creepy and eerie and like 
still kind of spooky. Yeah, and again, it's uh again, if chances are if you've heard one of Mars Volta song, this is the one. It was all over the radio in 05. Um, I'm sure it's been in other places, but it was like I said, it was extremely popular. Um, but yeah, like you said, the crescendo slowly builds and soars into this vocal that borders on a longing wail, like especially in the choruses. Like the choruses are what sells me on this song, and like Bixler's Zavala does this weird little run that is super controlled with that high head voice, and it's just so impressive to me every time I hear it. And it's it's like it's addicting for me to hear. Uh, especially the chorus, the chorus builds an intensity each time until you get to the lead in at two thirty, where he screams into it, and you get that 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 really haunting, beautiful chorus, um, and it, it's just straight from the soul. It's it's the soul of whoever this mute person is, and um, but yeah, again, that 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 outro, it is it's kind of like they, this person is like I always pictured like because the album art is somebody sitting in a car with a bag over their head i always pictured the person speaking in this song was that person in the car and they're like banging on the steering wheel as they're singing this almost like a musical theater type thing and then the descent into madness is like they pass out from just screaming and then it's mad like just weird noises until we get into the next track which is uh, i'm just gonna call it elvia because i don't know it's elvia elvia Vic- Elvia Elvia Kez, I believe. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, great fucking. I, that's why I told you to listen to these all the way through because these two tracks lead really, really well into each other. Um, especially, you don't get the full effect of Elvia unless you listen to the full outro of The Widow. So, uh, yeah, what do you think of Elvia? I mean, where do you start with a 12 minute track that starts in Spanish? With such a cool and crazy sound and those crazy guitar solos, then it slows into like a flamenco sound, which I love me some flamenco, mm-hmm. or like the Spanish guitar, and that's only half of the song. Like that's six minutes yeah. in. That is so much to pack into one song, and then it like repeats itself one more time where it kind of like repeats that process of like that slow build and then that crazy sound and then the 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 Spanish guitars come back in and it like it's like he this song is the mania that he was like slowly descending into from the last track and yeah there's just no short outro with these boys and no I respect it even though I wouldn't personally do it like I respect the fact that like they don't want to they're not they're not trying to fit this on the radio. You know what I mean? Like this isn't a radio song. Yeah. This is it's it's almost like when Bill Murray screams on some of his like popular songs just to remind you like this isn't going to make it to the radio. I won't I won't allow it, you know. Yeah. Uh again, it's just it's one again I talked about it a lot, but they punch you in the mouth, especially if you've been listening to like 4 minutes of just nothing. The Elvia that's that just pops in out of nowhere after like a quick little guitar intro it's just like fuck what the fuck is this and it's so it's such a relief to hear music again after that that i think it elevates this song even more than if you just listen to it by itself which again i think is is the purpose of like i again they released for um uh, the widow as a single but again i don't think it's this album any of their albums are truly really 
well listened to unless you listen to a full album. I know I know that's pompous to say, but this is a pompous band. You know what I mean? So I don't feel bad saying it because it's the way they designed it to be. So um, again, I, I, I'm going to repeat a lot of things you said. The Spanish feel is just so fucking addicting. Um, and if it wasn't so long, this might be my favorite track just because I found myself coming back to listen to um, Bixler Zavala sing in Spanish, which is gorgeous. It sounds so, it sounds so good. And it's, it's weird. It's like, you can tell somebody speaks, like speaks Spanish when they sing, because if they don't, it sounds really weird and disjointed. So the fact that he, you know, he actually really speaks Spanish. You can tell when he sings it because it flows and it feels good. And uh, it's just gorgeous to hear. Um, but again, an infectious groove throughout, um, and it just kind of, like I said earlier, it explodes out of the madness of the end of the widow. Um, and I love the, oh, oh, yeah. Um, it, it's just, it's so good, man. And then it drops back down with a, Elvia. and it's just, it's just, it's so good, man. Um, the actual musical parts of this song are really fucking good. And again, if it wasn't, I think this is over 12 minutes long. <laughs> yeah. I think if, Which, if they stopped it at the six minutes when they went through it all the first time, it would be mm-hmm. a damn near perfect song for me. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. I agree. But yeah, I think I repeating it and doing it 12 minutes, I'm like, whoa. Whoa, guys. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Rick Hold Rubin. Up. Rick Rubin has left the building, folks. He is no longer, <laughs> yeah, right. he's no longer in charge of this band. No more uh, easily digestible track lengths. Not with this guy. <laughs> um, yeah. So moving on to their next album, which came out in 06. They were pretty prolific. Like they were releasing albums pretty quickly here, um, which is weird knowing how much time and effort they put into them. Uh, but yeah, in 06, they released Amputecture, uh, which again is another wild. I don't know what it means. I guess amputee and architecture. They do a lot of portmanteau, uh, which is 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 always ends up in weird kind of like sci-fi horror-esque stuff yeah. sounding things you know what i mean <laughs> is it is this around the time they they announced like they had recorded their two albums and they were like releasing like they had recorded them around the same time and recorded two albums back to back i think that's after the next album okay okay yeah because i think you can tell there's a very clear shift and how they're making music after the, the next album, okay. which is my favorite album, by the way. Um, but we'll get there when we get there. Uh, but yeah, so again, uh, Old Tom says, just prior to the release of full-length album, full-length Amputecture in 2006, uh, drummer John Theodore was replaced by Blake Fleming, who has uh, who had helmed the kit on early Mars Volta demos. It was produced by Rodriguez Lopez and mixed by Rich Coste. Uh, another concept album each song was offered as a separate vignette telling a completely different story the record also featured an expanded role for frusciante i I hope i'm saying that right um who appeared on all but one track fleming was fired prior to the japanese leg of the tour and replaced with for those shows by d'antoni parks uh that october back in the u.s drummer thomas pridgen auditioned during a 40-minute live improvisation set in ohio and was hired permanently uh, he made his debut as a member in March 2007 in New Zealand. 40-minute live improvisational drum audition. These guys don't fuck around. <laughs> like, hey, that's one track. <laughs> what the hell? 
Uh, but yeah, that's first longer than most game. openers. Most openers get a thirty-minute yeah. slot. <laughs> yeah, and the right. dude took forty that's minutes right. on one drum solo. Crazy. I mean, he got the job and he stayed permanently. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, viscera eyes. Still, what you got for it? I'm starting to. I at this is the point where I was like, is Kev fucking with me? A twelve-minute song, then a nine-minute song. You're at your. F- you know what you're doing to me. It's just what they do, man. Like, yeah, yeah. This is <laughs> this is it. the time. You know, this is the time. I don't think we get a song even close to that after this in in length. Um, but yeah, I wasn't sure what to think. I thought you were messing with me until that guitar and drum come in a blaze, and you're like, mm-hmm. okay, all right, all right. The the guitars seem almost like slow and meandering for a while. At some points in the track, it almost felt. I almost was about to write lazy until the 630 mm-hmm. mark. And they just take, <laughs> it's almost like they were woken up or like had a shot of adrenaline in their chest, like in Pulp Fiction. It was just like yeah. that and the bass and the guitarist. They just like, were like, we're not fucking around anymore. This song is, this song needs some adrenaline. And from 630 to nine minutes, it's just wall to wall sound. And I love it. <laughs> It's again. We have to wait three punk songs for the song to really start for you, <laughs> right? <laughs> At this we're, point, we're if this was Blink One Eighty Two, there were six songs that we had to wait. We, we you have to wait an entire EP just to get to this <laughs> yes, song. To yes, start. Um, but yeah, man. Again, it's what really kills me. I think that, I, I agree with you. I think by the end of this song, it ends up being like a really fucking great tune. But again, this is one of the albums that I cut a song from because I'm just not a huge fan of it overall. Um, but yeah, the song, it's this that weird lead guitar that doesn't make much sense, but it does in a way because it always, it like wanders off the circle of fists for a while, but it always resolves back to where it should. It's, it's a really weird musical technique and the whole song just feels off kilter because they got that really just chunky, very straightforward rhythm underneath that like that's that just plays through the whole song um and it, it, again that goes really well with like again very heavy spanish vocals throughout the entire song but again it's just that weird it's like right when you get into the groove you're like and then they break for the fucking just weird guitar that i just i don't know if i like it or not and I, I try to convince myself all the time that i do but every time I listen to it, I come out of it with like, nah, I didn't like that. Or yeah, that was good. That was cool. Because I could see there was a musical vision there, right? They weren't just playing random notes. There was a vision there. It always resolves where it should. Um, but yeah, it's again, the, uh, the heavily reverbed vocals take this straightforward, pretty rock track towards the end of it and give it an additional depth, which I think if there's anything that describes the Mars Volta, it's, depth there's so much going on in all of these songs um it feels like you're standing at the end of a like a long chasm and they're blasting noise at you from the other side of it but it's still super loud it's a very loud band too um headphone warning for sure i should have probably said that at the top of the show but it is a very loud very busy band and this this song is no different so i love it yeah yeah um I, I, you're killing me with not telling me what your favorite songs are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, the next album is The Bedlam and Goliath, which I, I don't know. I just love that song title. I also love the album art for this. It's just really visually pleasing. Um, but yeah, this was released in 08. Uh, 
the Bedlamin Goliath appeared in January 08, just 11 months after Amputexture. Again, crazy that they were probably touring a little bit while writing this. Um, produced by Rodriguez Lopez and mixed by Costi again. Uh, the sessions were plagued by strange complications. The band blamed recording and production difficulties on a bad Ouija board the producer purchased in a curio shop, curio shop in Jerusalem for Bixler Zavala, all of which uh, was detailed in Johnson's essay. Uh, further, Rodriguez Lopez and Costi claimed that completed tracks would suddenly disappear at random and that feel the original that. engineer... <laughs> I feel that in my yeah. core. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, RIP lost episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and that their original engineer experienced a nervous breakdown after his studio flooded twice. Difficulties notwithstanding, the album debuted at number three on the Top 200 chart on January 17th, 2008. They performed Wax Simulacra at the, on The Late Show with David Letterman, and on January 22nd, they appeared unannounced at MTV Live Studios in Toronto to perform Wax Simulacra and Goliath. Uh, Wax Simulacra won the 2009 Grammy for Best Hard Rock Performance. Um, not shockingly, that's the first song we're going to talk about is Wax Simulacra. Um so I'm interested to hear your thoughts on why you think that won a Grammy for best rock performance. And if you agree, hard rock, that's crazy, crazy, crazy. What a weird identification for them, but okay. First question. What what was your first question? Um, do, do I think, why do you think well, yeah. What do you, why do you think this won a Grammy and do you agree? I agree. It should have won a Grammy because Kevin, it's my favorite song. Hell yeah, I can't dude. believe I told you. <laughs> but, Hell yeah. Okay. I'm just going to tell you what my thoughts on the song, and then um, I'll, I'll hear your thoughts. But yeah, I'm back. After a 12 minute song and a six minute <laughs> or a nine minute song, I was like, do I just, am I losing it? Am I losing touch? Like I was into it, and then it lost me a little bit. Um, But I think I'm back. Like it picked up the speed, and it, it's a perfect spot for it on the mixtape, which I thought was really clever from you. And it kind of helps that it's like where the album landed, but like mm-hmm. the speed and the come, the drummer is kicking his heart out, dude. That kick pattern, I would love to see yeah. just like a camera on the kick. Um, it literally kick started my heart. And as much as I like the experimental, I think my favorite Mars Volta is when they just go full tilt boogie. And this I song agree. is just like balls to the wall. I, I, I'm, now that I know that it was like played on Letterman and on MTV, like I want to see those videos because this song was electric to get halfway through. Yeah, man, it's uh, it makes like I agree that they want they should have won a Grammy, and it's it's if it wasn't for the next track Ouroboros, this would be my favorite track on this playlist. This, like I said, this is my favorite album of theirs because you could tell they're like, you know what, fuck it, let's just make a good rock album, and. Uh, it worked again. It, it, it debuted on, what did I say? Number four on the top two, number three, number three. Two, which is wild for, a, for, if you listen to everything we've listened to up to this point for an album from a band like that to debut at number three is insane. Um, yeah, I don't know what we were thinking back, back in the, the aughts, but, uh, <laughs> we were, we were ready for some weird shit apparently. Uh, but yeah, this is still the Mars Volta at its core. There's still some, Again, Bixler Zavala sounds great. The guitars sound great. Like you said, the drums are fucking incredible, dude. They just they feel louder on this track, on both of these tracks. Honestly, they feel super loud, but like really crispy as well, which I, I absolutely love. Which is something we haven't necessarily heard. Um, 
they've been more experimental, but hearing them just go, like you said, balls to the wall and just do really good, like hard rock medley music is like, holy shit. Like this makes it all worth it, right? Do you think because you do you think they went straight forward because they lost so many of their recordings that they were like, I'm tired of redoing this. Why don't we just like sim- simplify it a little bit, just in case we yeah. lose it? <laughs> you know, if we lose it, it won't be a big deal. We'll, we'll remember how to play it. <laughs> Potentially, this 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 two minute thirty eight runtime was initially like fourteen minutes. They just we lost we lost the outro. We're not fucking doing it again. Yep. This is great. Let's I forgot just, how we did it. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, man, it's a merciful two thirty eight. Which by this point. Um, again, I, I, I think you're right. Like we needed it. And it's, I think at the time when I picked it, I was probably like, I need a short, two shorter songs to kind of rest my weary bones here. It's one of the um, few times I was like, I could, I could do a four minute or I think I could do this for four minutes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just, uh, I don't know. I just, it's like too much. It's like you can really appreciate something that's wild and off the wall, but too much of it is overstimulating. Yeah. So I think they were probably at that point in their careers too. Where it's like we need to just relax, <laughs> just make good music. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, next track, Ouroboros. What do you think? I think I found my favorite album era, and I, yeah, I think you're right. Like it's my favorite album era as well. It's fun to agree on that kind of stuff. Um, the speed has gotten me on my feet. It's hyperspeed, and yet somehow it didn't feel chaotic. It was like, it, maybe it's their hardcore punk roots, but like it just felt like even they could have gone faster. You know, it was like that was where they felt they were still in control, but they were still going at some like crazy speed. And going that fast and being in control is just wild to me. But this song decides halfway through to switch course and get creepy synth heavy and om- yeah. almost like 30, 30 seconds to marzy for a little bit mm-hmm. like that outro reminded me a lot of like the early 30 seconds to mars and it was just like whoa i i really think like this probably is going to be my favorite album era which was surprising because i don't remember it at all when you put your little um your blog out yeah man i i like there's so many there's so much good about this track and it's it's by far by miles my favorite track this time around um if you would talk to me back in i don't know 2015 when i wrote this originally it would have been either the widow or with twilight as my guide which we're about to talk about um but there's just something about ouroboros and every time i went back to um the mars volta i would always listen to the bedlam and goliath and i would always listen to ouroboros i'm like holy fuck dude this song is so good and i think what you're talking about with the speed and how it feels controlled is because the bass is going fuck the bass is on in fuego dude bass is going crazy um but bixler zavala's vocals are very like very in a much lower register than he normally sings and they're kind of slow the do 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 like that's the kind of pace of his vocal throughout the verses but then when you get to that chorus dude oh my god Mwah. the fucking oh it's so good i ran this chorus back so much this week dude the when you when will you flirt with all that's burning it's just so fucking good dude um 
Yeah, and then like the, again, where they switch, it's basically a different song at the end with the with all the warnings that you gave me, like that. that I just I love that part too because it's it's like, what am I listening to? This is not the same song. But then they bring that bass back in after they do that, um, and they bring the chorus back during that part. It's just it's it's such a geniusly constructed song um, of mixing fast rhythm sections with slower lead sections and it's just oh man this song i could listen to it forever and ever and ever and uh yeah it's it's goosebump inducing every single time i listen to it yeah this this was the album that really made me feel like this was all worth it to get the the heart of maybe their magnum opus just like halfway through you know I almost wonder if they agree with that because it's so different from all the other stuff they had done previously and even really different from the Latin next couple of albums too. Um, which again, I'm not a huge fan of the next couple albums either. Um, because you can start to feel the schism in the band. I think, uh, I think this was like, they were, you, every band has it right. Where they reach their height of like, we're making awesome music. And I feel like the Bedlam and Goliath is, is in my opinion, their magnum opus, but I don't know if they would necessarily agree. Yeah, I, so. every band thinks their newest art is their best, so <laughs> I doubt fair. it. Um, but yeah, I think I think um, going forward, yeah, we'll, we'll I'll I'll tell you my thoughts when we get to the next song. Okay, so Octahedron, which was released in uh, twenty ten, they're they're on like every two years basically releasing albums since oh uh, three, which is which is crazy craziness. Um, but yeah, interestingly, the previous February, less than a month after the release of Bedlam and Goliath, Rodriguez Lopez claimed in an interview that the next two albums by the Mars Volta had already been recorded. They left Universal and signed with Warner Brothers. Octahedron, their label debut, uh, appeared in June 2009. It offered a new sound and a more stripped-down lineup before recording. Saxophonist Terrazas Gonzalez and guitarist-slash-sound manipulator Hinojos uh, were both <laughs> fucking sound manipulator. It makes sense if you listen to these songs. Uh, we're both asked to leave the band. It was also the last date to include Frusciante and Owens. Pridgen abruptly left during the tour following a dispute with Bixter Zavala, and they completed the album with Dave El- El- Elich behind the kit. The set peaked at 12 on the top 200. Again, even through all that shifting and people leaving and being asked to quit um they still debuted at number 12 which is crazy which is almost almost disappointing because the bedlam and goliath is so much better than the rest of these albums and it only debuted at uh, fucking paltry 12 get it at, get it at number three again at least yeah um but yeah so first track we're going to talk about on this album is halo of numbutals i believe somebody say that i don't know what that word means yeah, <laughs> I don't half of these words. I didn't know what they meant. I was hoping they were all in Spanish, so I didn't have to know them. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it really showed my lack of uh, thesaurus. Um, but anyway, yeah, I think the song is like probably getting close to like the biggest letdown. And I think it for me, like listening to music, when you get that big endorphin rush, then like it's a dump afterwards. So mm-hmm. much like our favorite track, there's always going to be a least favorite track. And I'm not, I'm not sure this is my f- least favorite, but the, sta- the intro is pretty standard for them with like a slow 48 second intro and it gets bigger as it goes on. But I think the song is kind of a dip in quality somehow. Maybe after, maybe after the last two tracks, I just really wasn't ready for a mid tempo 
um, for an entire song because I was waiting for that sh- M. Night Shyamalan twist at the end and I just just never got it and I was kind of expecting it. Yeah, I agree. Um, this is probably my least favorite album of theirs. Save the next track, which is one of my favorites of all time. Um, but yeah, it's just... Uh there's not much to talk about here. And I I think, like I said, you could kind of start to hear the schism. Like you can almost hear the band not being on the same page with what they wanted to do, because this feels like they all recorded this with their arms crossed and they're in a stiff, like a stiff upper lip. You know what I mean? It's like, there's just not a whole lot for me to talk about here. Um, I, even when I wrote initially, I didn't have too much to say, Um, which again, I I really, I remember really struggling with this album because I really didn't like it. Uh, but I had to put it on here because with Twilight as my guide, the next song is one of my favorite songs of all time. It's probably in my top 50 songs of all time. Um, probably even higher than that, honestly, if I had to rank them out. But yeah, again, I even wrote not my favorite track, but I had to pick something. So, <laughs> so uh, but when I was doing it, I had I was doing two songs in an album. That was just the, the standard that I decided to impose on myself. Um, and I almost regret not cutting it because I cut a really cool like um, instrumental from Amputexture, but it just it didn't fit the energy as well with the as as, as far as like a album construction playlist went. So I cut that. Plus, it was again it was like fucking fourteen minutes long. So I was like, I'm not gonna I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna try to limit these long songs as much as possible. So, um, but yeah, it, I almost I would I would have liked to have talked about that one other than this one because it's just it's just it's good. It's just not my favorite. Yeah. Um, so again, we're we're in pretty lockstep the last two weeks, which is nice to see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so with Twilight as my guide, Dill, I have a lot to say about this one. I've I've actually broken down what I think this song is talking about. Um, like I said, I've thought about this song endlessly. I, w- I was obsessed with it for a very long time. So, um, what do you think? This song wins the award for creepiest sounds on the mixtape. Somehow they, what the, what what was that guy's song title or title for the band Sound? Huh? What was that? Guy? Oh, sound sound modulator. Sound modulator. Um, they lost their sound modulator, but they still got it. Um, yeah, there's unsettling guitar with like, it's it feels like our slowest track on the on the mixtape, and I figured since we didn't get a twist on the last track that this would be the same, which I was right. Um, but I. I can't wait to be won over with this track because there was something weird about it and something unsettling. And like when you get nine songs into a mixtape and you're listening to it by yourself, you're like, okay, I know he picked this for a reason. So I really want to know why. So I'm, I kind of set you up perfect. Yeah. So to me, the song is a masterpiece. I think the fact that there is no percussion it's very acoustically driven. It's very different from what we've heard other than the sound modulator doing his goddamn thing in the background. <laughs> um, I, I don't think Zavala Bixler has ever sounded as good as he does on this track. I think he controls his entire range really, really well throughout this entire song. Um, so my interpretation of the lyrics is that of a sociopathic murderer's inner monologue as his loved ones struggle with his remorseless and admitted guilt. Um, he has locked away the memories of his deeds deep in his mind, which is the longest tusk of corridors, none below, numb below the neck. So like he doesn't feel anything like he has his heart's numb. He's just, he just has his thoughts that he lives with. Um, 
and like locked away his memories but yeah he's possessed by like demonic thoughts that he struggles to reconcile with reality and like the devil makes me dream like no other mortal dreams with a blank eye corner like i almost i tried to sing it (laughs) (laughs) because i've listened to the song so much i can't say without corner like the way he does it um but yeah, man, it's just, I think if you listen to it through that lens, like I really wanted to, because this song is beautiful. I think, especially when, I think it's in toward, like towards the middle of the song where when he gets to the, the devil makes me dream, and they, it's two of them singing and like harmonized vocals. It like, it just like, it's almost like he's having a mental breakthrough. And it's very, it's almost transcendent in this very creepy, very weird way um, where he's like, it's not a breakthrough. It's almost like he's doubling down on his own madness. And um, yeah, it's just, there's this beautiful catharsis with like, like being inside this madman's head. Um, Yeah. And you listen to it slowly unfold uh, over the course of this entire track. And it it is, it's, it's for me, this is, this is a masterpiece. I think the way it's constructed, the way what I think it means and the way the story is told uh, I really, really love listening to it from that my, that mind frame. And I listened when I was listening to it again this week. I wanted to see if that theory still held up, and I think it does. Um, I don't know. I just really, really love this song, and I've listened to it millions of times in my life. So, oh, I love it. I love it. That's a that's a beautiful way to look at it. Yeah, and it's like there's a part where he's like he he admits that he's guilty, but his like his loved ones can't reconcile. Like they want to defend him, but he's like, "Nah, I, I did it." Like. And I don't regret it. Like, if any, like he locks all this shit. I don't know. It's just really, it's interesting. It's almost like uh, in getting in the mind of a serial killer. Like, yeah. if you like, if you like true crime, and you listen to the song through the, le- the lens of a serial killer, um, it becomes far more interesting to me. Again, outside of that, I think it's still just a beautifully written and composed song, but uh, it is very long. So I think that's why I really wanted to break it down and figure out what it meant. So. Now I gotta listen to it again. <laughs> yeah. Read the lyrics while you're while you're uh, listening to. It. I'm sure you have, but yeah. like, I think you'll you'll maybe you'll start to see what I was what I was getting at with with some of that stuff. So. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, so that wraps up my least favorite album from the Mars Volts. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite songs of all time, which is weird. But uh, now we're getting to the parts of this discography that I had to do just for completion, because I'm not a huge fan of the next two albums, uh, Nocturna Kit and 12. Uh, this is their last, like, I would say original band release, what I consider like the true canon of the Mars Volta. Um, so yeah, this is actually from Wikipedia. So we're done with Tom for the day. Thank you again, Tom. You've been a true godsend to me this week, but yeah, the sixth studio album, uh, released on March 26, 2012 on Warner Brothers, produced by guitarist and songwriter Omar Rodriguez Lopez. It is the band's only studio album to feature drummer D'Antoni Parks and their first album not to include contributions from John Frusciante. Uh, inspired by the children's nursery rhyme Solomon Grundy and the Greek myth Hyacinthus, uh, Nocturniquet is, again, a concept album. Uh, following the album's release, the Mars Volta broke up due to ongoing tension and disagreements between core members Rodriguez Lopez and Vixler Zavala. As a result, <laughs> Nocturnic Pit, Pit became the final studio album of the band. And... You all right, dude? <laughs> yep. Sorry. 
Sheesh. <laughs> Wrong pipe. Yep. One sip of water will kill you, people. <clears throat> Sorry, what were you saying? Uh, no, I, yeah, this is the as a result of those two arguing, this was the last studio album of their original run, what I consider their canon run. Um, and I believe this is v- Veda, Mel- Veda Malady is the name of this song. Do you even love a band if the two lead people in the band don't fight and cause a breakup? I mean, no. ah, that's a that's a core of like the 2000s music, man. And I love it. I love the fact that they butted heads and then, you know, it took. I'm going to talk about it here in a minute, but uh, I'll talk about the song first. But um, there I watched the Zane Lowe interview, which if you haven't seen it, Zane Lowe's a great interviewer. He asked so many good questions um, and they talked about this breakup. And it was interesting to hear that, like, the the lead singer admitted like it was a lot of hubris. He had a lot of people in his ear and um, Omar had a lot of, uh, I think his mom died around the time this album came out. So it's super sad. And to have a lot of, you know, pressure to, to keep touring and stuff when you have family emergencies like that. Um, it's, it's really tough. And, you know, the lead singer was having kids and stuff. And I think what brought them back together from what he said was, you know, realizing that they actually cared about each other outside of the band. And he came over and met his kids and he was like, you know, it just made all the the petty shit that they had been arguing about, like seem obsolete. And I thought that was really, really profound because everyone's had those ups and downs with friendships. And, um, it was really emotional to watch them like kind of come to terms with that and talk about it openly. And, you know, my favorite band blink, I don't know about my favorite band, but one of my favorite (laughs) bands, Blink, experiences that too, you know, like hubris. And when you have this many top Billboard albums and you're signed to Universal or uh, Warner Brothers, like there's going to be pressure to continue even when you shouldn't or you feel like you can't. Um, And the way these guys were going, it's just, you know, it's tough when you're nine years in and you have so many albums and you put so much of your heart into it and it feels like they want more, they want more, you know, anyway, I digress. Um, yeah, this is a return to form of sorts after the last two, but there's still no big twist like we used to get, but the drum pattern in here is so interesting. And especially as it crescendos into the chorus, I thought the drum pattern was so fun and it really keeps me ready to hear it again after the slow parts. Um, it's a great later career track to show like their progression as a band, even as they're like, there's ribbing. Obviously I still think this song is one of their better late tracks. Yeah, I agree. And it's part of the reason why it made it on here. I, I get, this is another one of the albums that I cut a song from because they were very similar tonality or tonally. Um, I think I may have liked the other one a little bit better, but this one was a little shorter. So I ended up going with it. Um, again, they sounded very similar, very electronic in their tone, which is, which was super weird for me to hear because before I had done this originally, I'd never listened to this album before. Um, and I was like, what the fuck? Like, this is not what I expect from this fucking prog rock band that I love so much. Um, and it really threw me for a loop, but yeah, the, the opening to this reminds me a lot of like uh, talk show host from Radiohead where it's kind of like spacey, but like still put together. Uh, but yeah, the fucking snare blasts, dude, they're so, they're so good. Like the, again, 
throughout this entire band, just listen to the rhythm section if you're ever feeling lost, because they'll bring you right back to where you need to be. So um, it's got this crawling pace that makes it an easy listen, but it's still very technical if that's what you're looking for. I think that's, you know, I kind of agree whether it's a return to form where it's things are just a little bit more technical and a little bit more experimental. Um, it almost feels like uh, Andre 3000's flute album. You know what I mean? <laughs> Jesus. It's like, Hey, let's do something a little different. I love that album, by the way. Yeah. Uh, it's fucking hilarious. Um, yeah, it's just, it's great. Uh, but yeah, this was, this was actually meant to be the outro for the playlist. But as I was putting this together, I realized they had another album that released. And Dill forced me to put that new album on the playlist. <laughs> because, no, I agree. Because it wouldn't be complete without it. Right? Yeah. That's the whole journey. Even though it wasn't my original journey that I originally wrote. And it's, again, I don't consider this newer album to be a part of the original canon. Because... It was a 12, 10 year hiatus, but that's just me with sour grapes because I don't really like the album very much. Um, but yeah, so uh, their latest release from last year, it's just called the Mars Volta. You can call it self-titled if you want, but I think it's listed as the Mars Volta wherever you look at the album title. Uh, but yeah, in June 2022, we're back to Tom again. Uh, the Mars Volta issued the Mutant Neo... <laughs> I fucking love this. Mars Volta issued the Mutant Neo Soul Cum Jazz Funk Cumbia single, Black Light Shine. I don't know what cum jazz is. Um, I don't. I don't know. That's if that, called getting high on your own supply. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that was a typo from old Tom. He was probably fucking tired from typing up a fucking seven hundred page novel for these guys. But uh, yeah, I want to. I want to listen to some cum jazz. Um, so maybe I'll listen to Black Light Shine. Uh, their first new material in a decade. That May, the pair set up a mysterious art box installation in los angeles los angeles grand park it played the material when you walked inside uh they followed in july with their with the hooky rocker graveyard love and vigil in august mars volta's full return was completed when the band issued an eponymous 14 track album on cloud hill records in september always willing to change directions they immediately recorded an acoustic rendering of their self-titled album released in april 2023 under the title Que Dios te uh, maldiga mi corazón. Uh, the arrangements leaned into the band's Latin roots and was described by Rodriguez Lopez as their version of a folk album, which, oddly enough, that's the song we're going to talk about was Que Dios te maldiga mi corazón, uh, which translates to God curse you, my heart. I love it. So, Dude, yeah. this was so unexpected, and I fucking love it, Kevin. I love it. Yeah. Uh, this shit rocks. It's my favorite late track for sure. It just embraces yeah. that Latin American sound that they've kind of peppered in, but now it's just like full bore. Um, it sounds weird to hear them so tightly produced. It's like yeah. that 10 years music had changed so much. So to hear like such a crisp sound and like the crisp audio and like everything just sounded so tight that it leaves you actually wanting more. And I think 11 years off really did them good. And to reference that, that interview I watched again, they really wanted to lean into the pop. So not like their version of pop, obviously. Like it's still yeah. going to have that Mars Volta feel. But to go a little more simple, it, especially they're 47 years old now, you know. Yeah. They, yeah. They, they can't make 14-minute tracks like they used to. So to lean into like the little more accessible sound, I'm all the way in for it. 
Yeah, I agree. And I think I'm being really harsh on this album because I was looking for something that would fit the, this particular playlist. And I think if I wasn't listening to it in that con that with that constraint on it, and I was just listening to it to enjoy it, I would like this album much better. But uh, yeah, this song fucking rocks, dude. It was the one song. It was it's later in the the album, and as soon as it popped on, and I heard that the Spanish. And I heard that Spanish-inspired guitar. I was like, fuck yes. This is it. This is the one. This song rips, dude. And it's too short. It just fucking ends. It's it, it's such a fucking prick tease, dude. Like, I want more from this song. And um, it doesn't even have to be that much longer. Just give me, a, like, a real outro, and I'd be happy. Because it just, whoop, it's over. Who would and... who would have thought? Who would have thought we'd get there? That we wanted more from them? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, man. Um I, I really do like this song quite a bit and I wish I wasn't su- being such a sourpuss about the album because um, like I said, I think if I was listening to it outside of the constraints, again, I had to add it. I mean, we've had this playlist for over a week now, but um, I added it a few days ago and I was like, fuck, fuck, fuck. What do I add? None of this sounds good to me. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit the mood that I had. I already had a really good outro track um, and I wanted it to be another, like I wanted it to be another good thing to end on. So, um, and I, I love the fact that it's just a, a song about heartbreak. It's like, there's nothing, there's no like <clears throat> existentialism here. Uh, it's just, you hurt me, baby. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> God, God curse my broken heart. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It, I, I think more than sounding like it doesn't fit the end of the album, it sounds like an encore or a deluxe re-release. Yes. I mean, and yeah, it's it's not going to be the same playlist you made in 2016 or 2017, but it does add, I think, a little flair to the very end. If people were confused or they weren't vibing at the very end, you're going to just be like, I think I'm ready to start this playlist over again. Hell yeah, that's what you need, right? Yeah. Um, okay, you ready for my favorite tracks? <coughs> yes, well, I know your favorite. Yeah. Wax, wax, wax to me, Lacra. I'm glad you said it. Um, <laughs> the second, my second favorite, um, in in Inertiatic Esp, 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 whatever. And then the third one is Kdios Te Maldiga Mi Corazon. Wow. Yeah, dude, that, I was that, that I was that high on it. Um, That's crazy. Uh, least favorite is Halo of uh, New Nimbu Nimba tails. I think it's Nembutals. Nembutals. Fuckers. <laughs> but yeah. Nembutals, maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's pronounced like a drug. <laughs> what What are yours? So my favorites are obviously Ouroboros, uh, Elvia, The Widow, and uh, With Twilight as My Guide. Those are by, by far away the standouts for me. Um, least favorites, I agree with you. Um, probably Veda Malady. And um, Halo of Nembutals. Nembutals. Those are my two least favorite. I think everything else is really redeemable. And I really, 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 really liked listening to this playlist this week. Um, Did I listen to all of them all the way through every time? Absolutely not. But I did, because I gave you the challenge of listen to all of these songs without skipping any of them at least once. I did that one time. I was like, that was really enjoyable, but. I need to listen to this just for the musical bits of it. Um, 
and I just, I really enjoyed revisiting a band that like really kind of formed my love of really weird experimental shit. Mm-hmm. Um, there were other bands before that, like uh, Faith No More did some weird stuff. And you, you all know my love for that. I almost did Faith No More this week, um, but it was just too, too big of an undertaking. Um, but yeah, man, it was just a really cool trip for me. And uh, I'm glad, you know, we got full circle on the name of this, this podcast uh, back to the the origins of my brainchild um, that I'm happy to have you along with because holy shit, it's a lot of work to do on your own. <laughs> it really is. And talking to the void is hard, not getting that like different perspective. But yeah, I, I agree. It just, it, I think if you don't love all the songs on the Ultimate Mixtape, that's kind of the point, right? It's yeah. it's For me, it's all about finding an album era that you can really cling to because Maybe you don't love all of our Mars Volta, but you will find an album like the, what was the the album we loved? What was it called? Uh, the, Be- the Bedlam and Goliath. Bedlam and Goliath. Like that is going to be an album I really, really dig into. And I think the ultimate mixtape is about finding a jumping off point because some of these bands, Mars Volta has so much music and so many long songs. Like where do you even begin? And to do an ultimate mixtape, I think is giving people a place to to begin yeah i i am super super excited that you didn't absolutely hate this band because i've really never taken this journey with anybody before um i've never really recommended the mars volta to anybody before outside of my original just like hey i really like this band i want to talk about them um i've told ben about them but i don't think he's ever really listened to them um so i appreciate you taking this journey with me because they're a band that always just sticks in the back of my mind like I should listen to the Mars Volta again because I really enjoyed when I was obsessed with them back in like 2016 and I couldn't stop thinking about them. And I was like, this is like music at its peak. And um, again, another formative band for me that I haven't really talked about a whole lot on this show outside of uh, when I picked the widow for one show. Um, I probably even said like, Hey, we need to do a Mars Volta album at some point, probably (laughs) because they're great. Um, but I quickly realized doing a full Mars Volta album would be uh, too much. It'd be a two-parter. <laughs> um, It'd be rough. Yeah, it, it is fun to do. That was the perfect band to pick first um, because it is a massive undertaking, like you said. But to and we we were gonna try to record like five days ago, and we both were like, well, "I'm not ready." We, there's too much. There's times we can do a pretty quick turnaround because you know playlists are pretty easy. But I think ultimate mixtapes we're gonna have to take our time with. Yeah. Okay. All right. You ready for songs of the show? Let's do it. Um, Kev, you're first. Uh, okay. I forget what I picked. Hold on a second, because I picked it like an hour ago. Oh yeah, "Rising Bass" by Matthew Barry. Uh, Matt Barry, if he sounds familiar, it's because he's from "What We Do in the Shadows" and other various other comedies. He has maybe my favorite voice of all time for comic delivery. Um, it's this really pompous British accent. And he's just fucking hilarious. Um, and I was, <clears throat> I actually looked to see if Matthew Barry had recorded music because I was looking to see if he had a Christmas album. Um, cause I was building my Christmas playlist, which I can't fucking wait to do. Um, but he didn't have any Christmas music, but he makes like really good jazz. Like he's a multi-instrumentalist. Um, and rising bass is a brand new song. Um, and it's really fun. It's a really good, nice instrumental jazz track. And, uh, I enjoy it quite a bit. I really just wanted to hear him sing because he has an excellent voice. Um, I don't know. I'm sure you've seen the clips from what we do in the shadows where he's like, you really are the most devious bastard in New York city. Like, 
<laughs> it's just fucking hilarious, dude. Um, so I wanted to hear that that voice sing Christmas carols, but uh, to no avail. But I, I've fallen in love with his actual music career. So yeah, that's this song is. I mean, you're riding the vibe of instrumental music, and I love it. Um, it was such a fun deviation from what we've been listening to, and when you sent it to me, I was like, man, this feels good to listen to after Mars Volta. Yeah. Mars Volta almost gives you a headache. Yeah, I felt that about all of the songs of the show this week. <laughs> a breath of like, fresh oh, air. Just predictable song structure, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, my song of the show is Dark Skies, the Bill Murray remix by Arizona. Um, just He dropped it at a, he announced it on a Wednesday and put it out on a Friday, and it was just... It was good to hear that Bill Murray guitar tone and the drums and just it felt good to hear Bill Murray again on a remix of a, a song that I'd never heard. But I do like Arizona and that guy's voice is really cool. And I don't know. What what what'd you think? I loved it, man. It was on my release radar as well. So I was pumped to hear it. Uh, I think we need to come up with a genre classification for Bill Murray. And I think turbo turbo pop like turbo pop. Is a it's a good way to, to classify them. <laughs> drop like, drop tuning pop. <laughs> yeah, because like you could say it's like neon rock, but that doesn't feel right because we already had kind of like a neon era, and it's not that. But it's it's like yeah, like they're just really high energy rocky pop, and like I just I was like turbo pop feels right. Yeah, <laughs> turbo <laughs> pop is awesome. <laughs> let's go with that. I fucking I really love Bill Murray. You've turned me on to them quite a bit. Seeing them live really sold me as well. So. Um, fuck yeah, dude. Hell yeah. Yeah, just getting a little Bill Murray funk on a, a pop song is fun. Um, okay. Mason says L dollar sign D, which looks like LSD by ASAP Rocky. Um, this kind of fit your your Mars Volta vibe, like just like the yeah. slow ambient rap that I didn't expect from ASAP Rocky. Yeah, I really liked it. Like, I'm not going to shit on you this week. Uh, Mace, like I really, really enjoyed this, and I don't really love a lot of like contemporary hip hop, but this track kind of slaps. Like it's just really good, um, something to chill to, almost a night drive. Oh, yeah, uh, he might have, he might have, he might have ruined a night drive. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> nobody knows night drives coming except us, though. <laughs> nobody knows. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I really liked it. So great pick, Mace. Um, no triplets to be found on this track. No, none of that this week. Um, yeah. Uh, next, we have Ben, and I have his email pulled up. I do too. I figured you were in the driver's seat, and I'm uh, I'm wingman in this week, which is weird for me. You want me to read it, or you want to read it? Uh you can go ahead and read it. Okay. You tired of reading? <laughs> yeah a little bit i've stumbled over too much this week <laughs> okay ben says mf or don't miss uh ben says probably no surprise but i dig the ultimate mixtape boys feels like a natural evolution dance gavin dance felt new and a little overwhelming at first but the episode really helped digest looking forward to the volta where i have at least a little more experience so he has listened to it uh now for something completely different my song on the show this week is all of a sudden by dr fresh Y'all already know how I feel about this goofy-ass dude putting out bangers left and right, and here's to many more. Happy happy holiday season, Benji, Columbus, Ohio. Real quick before we get into the the song, I love the fact that Ben, every week when he writes emails, gives a synopsis of what he felt about last week's episode and tells us that he's excited for this week. Love that. Thanks, man. 
makes me makes us feel good. Yeah, it does. Actual feedback. So, uh, but yeah, what'd you think of uh, all of a sudden? It was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> all that long-winded email for me to say is pretty good. It's a yeah, I enjoy it. It makes me yeah. want summer again. We're not even in the heart of winter, and it makes me want summer yeah. again. Uh, this is kind of like a chilly late summer, early fall vibe to me. I, I see where you're coming from, though. Like, electronic music is made for the summer. Yeah. That's fe- fe- festival season all the way. Um, but yeah, I'll, it's uh, I actually really, really like this track. Ben's been trying to get me to listen to Dr. Fresh for well over a year now, and I'm, I'm raged against the machine, except for when he picks him again for Song of the Show. Uh, mainly because I'm so busy listening to music for this show that I don't have a whole lot of time normally to listen to other music, but I really, really like this. Like, uh, it's like chill for a like hard style track, and I really dig when people can do that correctly. It, it kind of reminds me of what a lot of the funk producers are doing now, where they're getting out of like the Russian teenager stage of that, and they're doing more like ambient, but still really hard and heavy tracks. Um, yeah, I really liked it. So another great pick, Ben, and thank you for your insightful emails mostly every week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's busy right now, but you know, I think we all are have broken free of Black Friday working, so it's nice yeah. that we all can actually participate with holidays. Um, okay. If you want to go check out our social media, merch at offthebeancleft.com. Instagram is at offthebeancleft. Our Twitter is at offcleft. If you want to send us an email off the beaten clef at gmail.com and we have a link to our discord um next week we're doing night drive 2 we've we just we mentioned it a little bit but night drive 2 get in the discord and send us your songs of the show or your submissions for night drive 2 because it is one of our favorite playlists to do and we we may even be recording this on monday when you're hearing this so if you're in the discord and you haven't re- sent us a song of the show and we haven't sent out a last warning, get it in because we're recording early in the week more than likely. Yeah. Yeah. But we can actually do a quick turnaround with the night drive. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, building playlists together is, is as mindless as it comes. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> especially, especially a mood playlist. It's fun. That's a better way to put it. <laughs> it's, mindless. it's fun. And it's, it's less pressure than like trying to like defend a band because you're just defending a mood at that point. Right. But yeah, night drive two. Get ready for it. Get your mind right. It's a perfect night drive season. So let's let's get after it. Yes, sir. All right. We'll see y'all next week. Bye.